0: Sooners of Oklahoma, and 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another preview edition episode of the Barry and Mac Show. as always myself barry personal trainer and sports performance coach out of tulsa oklahoma and as always i am with damian Mackey, former sooner receiver and 2000 national champion uh we're coming together today to talk a little bit of ou iowa state going to be kicking off at 11 a.m central standard time this weekend that's right another early riser for the Sooners, uh, but that's what you get right now, right? You dropped three games, just kind of how things are going. Uh, going to be up in Ames. Damien, what's the temperature of the room right now? How are you feeling about this weekend for the Sooners, man?
1: You know what, brother? I, uh, I'm i cautiously optimistic. However, I hope I don't jinx myself, jinx myself because I was also cautiously optimistic when we went against K-State and uh we know that that ended in an l but i understand that i don't have any you know you know how you you know how when you're a fan you feel like your own like you know bad juju or luck or your lucky seat or you gotta wear this special shirt as impact over the game it doesn't you know what i'm saying like we should, we should not <laughs> stop giving ourselves so much credit you know what I'm saying those guys have to have a good week of practice and a good bye week but i feel cautiously optimistic i think we learned some things uh in that kansas week we talked about obviously having our our point guard back uh dg proved why you know we need him much more than he needs us this year um and that marriage i think is good between he and levy um i think we saw some young pups emerge who are going to be new faces that we can depend on to add depth Uh, hearing some rumors that we'll continue to see three get some burn um, that, you know, just a couple shakeups hearing, hearing really good vibes about Bowman. Obviously everyone knows Bowman practice. I was, more, you know, just because your practice doesn't mean you're going to play. Uh, I have on good authority that uh, he wants to play and it's probably about an 80% chance he does. I hope they kind of use him as needed unless he's a hundred percent versus, uh, you know, kind of throwing him out there with maybe a gimp or limp. You know, and so to be interesting to see because Bowman, we both said is the MVP on uh, the midway point of the season. So I just think his presence is great, unless he's going to be a detriment because he's not one hundred percent healthy. B, I'm feeling good. Um, I remember going to Ames, Iowa. It was always windy as hell. It's just the grass is always higher. I mean, I guess that's twenty years ago. I don't think you could do that anymore, right? I don't think the whole extra. Yeah, thing- <laughs> I've
0: I've heard that the grass is still kind of high up there.
1: Yeah, man, the grass is higher up there. It's hella thick. And, you know, um, but here's the thing. At a place like Oklahoma, with a leader like Coach V, and the vision that the program has, this is a great temperature check to see If they are who they say they are. And so my full expectation is they go up there, handle business and find a way to win. Whether we win by 10 or we win by one on a last second field goal, what we need is the dub for, you know, psychological purposes, but also just the grand schemer thing of where we want to be the next two, three, five seasons down the road.
0: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting game because we really don't know what the, the Sooners are like, it's funny to say that this late in the season and as always if you guys want more insight make sure you go visit sooners360.com go become a member over there um, where we're interacting myself uh, DMac, and a bunch of other faces over there on the board uh, both familiar and unfamiliar Uh, seeing some new people there that have uh, uh, helped keep the start the board uh, I guess building process been very cool to see, but got a ton of articles right now up on the site uh, d- depth insight for recruiting everything from, yeah, you know, I, I have a few there. One on Jackson Arnold did a couple on the uh, two defensive end commitments uh, for Oklahoma, both Vasek and Adeboire, Uh, However, the, the first one will go, uh, but Damien in this one, uh, Iowa State is not the same Iowa State we've seen, you know, the past few years. You know, quarterback play I, I would say is a, is definitely a notch below, um, in, in my opinion, where where Brock Purdy was. You know, Purdy in his really good, sort of great, shining moments could be awesome. He he was able to make plays, key plays in some uh, pivotal moments in big games, right? That they don't have. A guy like Lazard, and really what they had was multiple guys like that. You had your Brees Halls in the backfield, you know, you had your Xavier Hutchison, who is still there, right? He's going to probably end up with a thousand yards receiving this year. For this Sooner defense, is there any particular area, you know, with not Having a guy maybe as a big a name as Charlie Colar, who you knew going in was going to have to be a, a focus for the defense, is there any particular area where OU needs to gear their focus around to keep from having you know these these forty point you know uh, opportunities that these teams have? Just it seems like week in and week out now, you know everybody's putting forty up. Uh, I feel like if there's a game to not have that one. Uh, to not have that happen, this is probably it. Uh, but but what do you think the Sooners need to do defensively in terms of their their focus on this Iowa State attack, and then also just personally for themselves, you know, competing with the the Crimson and Cream, if you will.
1: Yeah, you know what, and, and you're you're speaking to the point. This game is more about us than it is about them, and I think the. The key ingredient to our success is is the is the e- the most easily fixable problem. I don't know if that's proper English. I was a math teacher, not an English teacher. But here's what I here's what I mean. Right, we know we have issues on the D line. They're probably the most alarming. We don't have a guy who can win one on one. By the way, nobody notwithstanding, including thirty one, he doesn't win consistently enough on his own. So so that's the biggest issue on defense. We got backers who are slow to react and are not. Um, plus players in space or playing backwards or lateral, which in the big 12, if you can't play lateral or going backwards, you, you're in trouble because, you know, that's the whole key in this conference is, is getting the best players in space, getting Bijan in space, getting Deuce in space, right? Getting all those Texas Tech receivers in space, I mean, all those TCU receivers in space, I mean, Presley in space, right? There's, there's guys you want to get in space, And so, you know, that's a mismatch. But I think the thing we can correct are the mental errors in the back third. If we can get those four guys to not give up that touchdown against KU. Listen, I firmly believe, and I'm not saying this to to pick on any player, but I think any safety, not number 25 on that very first touchdown against KU, uh, it's a pick. I firmly believe that because really all he has to do is turn around, put his hands up, and he catches the ball. He's where he needs to be. He just doesn't make a play on the ball. He makes the wrong play. And that play, this jump starts KU and puts him in a position that says, okay, we're in Norman, right? We know we have a good team, and they're in a bad year, and DG's just coming back. It's that that part where we talk about five plays making a difference in the game. That one play gave them momentum for the entire first quarter. They felt like, okay, even if OU comes back to score, we're back to 0-0. Zero, zero, we can go do it again. Whereas if we get that pick and the offense goes in and scores the same way they did, and they got first possession and we got a turnover and we put the pressure on them. And then we put points on the board. That backup quarterback is in a position where he, he threw the interception. It changes his confidence. So going into Iowa state, it it kills two birds or one stone. Number one, we cannot have a TCU or a KU mental breakdown where somebody's running wide open and everybody's looking around with their hands in the air, like the emoji. We can't have that happen because our offense, has not shown it can come back uh, when we're behind. We haven't shown it, right? So, And then the second part is if we don't have those mental mistakes, Iowa State doesn't have a game breaker who can just go make five guys miss or beat everybody to the corner with a 4-2 or or a quarterback who's transcendent in both running and passing and leadership that they can just put together 10-12 play drives. Of course, we all said that about Martinez until he did it to us, but that we would rather pick our poison with a methodical approach by them and hoping somebody in the front seven can make a play get them behind the yard markers you know get them off schedule make a sack whatever because on offense I think we're in a good position to make some plays even though they run a complex defense and and it's been a uh, it's been a link beer we I think we have the offensive game plan in place because we're going to lead with their run that will put them in some compromising positions on certain downs and distances and later on in the game where we should have we should have a couple and we'll talk about this a bit more b but we should have a couple of plays where somebody's running wide open because we beat tendencies earlier in the game and so we'll talk about that that uh here in a second but yeah i i, I if you ask me where we need to focus on defense it's very simply on the third level corners and safeties don't get a mental beat i don't mind even if Jalen gets beat on a one-on-one fade and he gets high pointed. That happens. That's our personnel. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? That's that there's sometimes you can't control that. What I'm talking about is we're in a cover three or a cover room quarter coverage. And one of the corners jumps a a 10 yard out and the slot receiver runs a deep corner. And the safety can't get there. And the quarterback throws a, a bomb where he can walk in for a, a touchdown. Cover four, that corner needs to stay on top of everything on his side of the field and let the safeties rob. We can't afford that to happen. We're in a cover two and one of the safeties rob something, you know. And in like the TCU game, we got we got we got 25 trying to rob something. I don't know what the hell he's doing. And we've got a four-seven forty guy 20 yards behind everybody, and he can jog into the end zone. If we don't give that style of play up, then it's an it's any man's battle and you know this will be an opportunity for us to grow up and improve
0: yeah i mean defensively we know that they are not just totally absent of talent do do they have the elite players at some of the important positions probably not i I think we can all agree that you know recruiting has to improve and then this staff is working diligently To make that happen but they still have ball players they still have guys who you know were high level guys when they were recruited and who have made plays and for this team i feel like at some point they've got to to catch some confidence and and play even if it's just in flashes at the level that we've seen you know the past two to three years, at at least the past year, right? There were moments last year where the team looked really, really good. There were some moments, you know, that weren't so great, but that there's capability to play better because there are so, so many simple things that, and coach Venables has harped on it. So many simple things that are getting missed that if you just corrected those, you probably turn all of these 40 point games into probably high 20 low 30 point games it, it is that much of a big deal when you give up explosive plays because of blown coverage um because of a mistake by you know one particular guy or or two particular guys uh, however it might play out moving over to the offense you know it, it's i'm gonna do a little bit of an analogy here but you know whenever you're you're training or working with someone, right? Let's say you're going through like an eight week period where you're, you know, you have a certain goal in mind When you hit the end of that eight weeks, or maybe you have a a small little break in there. Those breaks are so valuable because they really force you to reset how you're thinking about things. They give you time away from the process that you've drawn up right you don't want to ever deviate from the from the plan sometimes deviating from the plan and overthinking things on the fly leads to not being disciplined in what you are supposed to be doing right you, there is value even if the plan is slightly flawed there's value in sticking to the plan where those breaks can be very very valuable is they force you to take a step back assess the plan and then move forward right you can move forward with a different uh viewpoint seeing things through a different lens and i want to talk about that as it relates to the offense you know that there's now a large sample size of who this offense is right levy and the the staff finley murray all of the people involved on that side of the ball they, they know their players, I think, at this point, right? They knew a lot of them from last year, but there was, you know, some new faces that have stepped up in different roles and key roles. The the break, we know it was potentially valuable to the defense, but you spoke earlier about, you know, um, kind of targeting some tendencies, you know, against this Iowa State team uh, when it comes to the offense. Um, how valuable was the, the bye week? for the offense specifically as it relates to coming into this game and and what are some things you expect to see in in terms of of scheme any kind of wrinkles or, or variations to things
1: yeah um so from a psychological standpoint this bye week hopefully has put our offense in a position to know who they are when you go into a bye week you want to spend a portion of that time identifying, doing a SWOT analysis, essentially on, you You do a self-study, right? You, you say, okay, where are our strengths? Where do our strengths lie? Where do our weaknesses lie? And then as a coaching staff, you ask yourself, or even the leadership, you ask yourselves, okay, you know, how much time do we want to spend refining our strengths? And then how much time do we want to fend, spend essentially plugging leaks? And, and both are necessary and needed, right? So, so you know, looking at the areas in the run game, looking at, you know, like I think this is a bye week Barry, where you say, what are Eric's best plays? And let's focus on, because he's kind of the workhorse now, right? So it's not like it's just a a rotation of running backs. He's the alpha dog now. He's earned that, right? So, okay, let's make sure we have Eric's best plays as a priority, right? Again, we're in a position now where stake or no stake, we got to say, We need teams to be looking at B. Willis as a factor. Mm. It it does a lot for the offense if the defense has to scheme him. That's actually, you know, not a Mark Andrews type mismatch, but kind of like a a juice check for the 49ers. I don't know if you know who juice is. He's he's one of the few fullbacks where that's a guy teams have to know where he is on the field. And because of that, a safety may have to pay attention to him versus just having a deep third or a deep half. And so I feel like B. Willis is another player who has earned the right to say, hey, guys, if teams, you know, Dylan, here's the deal. If teams just kind of play off and soft on him, take that easy throw until they come up because it gives us a position or an opportunity, right, to impose our will. So you're looking at a player like that, right? And then you're looking at the O-line and you're cleaning up concepts, right? You're saying who's better at folding. You know, our guys do a lot of zone concepts. So who, you know, who are the guys that are better at climbing to the next level and covering up a man or, or Barry, who's more physical? How dope would it have been for this week of practice to be one where coach was like, hey, no lie. These three practices, I just want to see who moves the defender further. Like, that's that opportunity in the SWOT analysis. Then you have your opportunities and your threats, right? So you say, okay, we're playing against, um, you know, a 30 front against a team that essentially likes to play a lot of cover three, five, and six. and, And essentially, they flood zones is what they do. But in reality, in reality, so typically when you look at coverage, right, coverage has three levels. It's the first level with the D line. The second line is the second level is the intermediate area. And, of course, you got your D thirds. When teams run that style of coverage where they're flooding zones. You shouldn't look at it from degree from line of scrimmage to uh, the end zone. You should cut the field in thirds the other way. How many guys are on the hash marks to the sideline? How many guys are in the middle of the field? How many guys are on the other hash mark to the sidelines? Here's why. Because in a traditional defense, uh, you have got four down linemen or three, but if you got a, a traditional thirty, you're generally bringing four or five. But right? If that makes sense, right? Most thirty fronts are designed to easily bring five without having to show blitz because the two stand up, you know, outside backer types, edge defenders, whatever you want to call them, can be a backer slash D line type. Well, they don't run that. They generally have eight athlete type guys on the field. So what does that mean? They have more guys from hash to hash so this is a defense that when 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 you start watching how teams attack it you attack this defense let's talk about what responsibilities are from the hash mark to the sidelines so if i'm in this thirty front and we're gonna flood zones right the backers more there's there's two there's two concepts the corner can either stay a hard corner which means stay in the flats or the corners bailing and uh you know putting you in a position where it's going to be very difficult to get the ball down the field when that happens the backer has to push to the flat and then the and and then the guys in the middle you know they're essentially going to hook somebody's either robbing or blitzing and then somebody else is going to hook the, the safety is either robbing or bailing but the center of the field is generally pretty standard you're just replacing someone's jobs Barry where the opportunities are in this tile of coverage is to the, the, in between the hash marks and the sidelines, because here's why. If you're in a balanced coverage, you're doing yourself no favors. Meaning if I got two by two, if I got two receivers on either side, I've got two receivers and they can stay base. If we go to trips, they've got to cheat half a man. So if, if if the, if the, if the mic's over the center, the mic have to push to the guard gap. If the overhang is, is splitting the difference between the, the, the tackle and number two, if there's three, the overhang has to split to be able to maybe be closer to three because there's more, there's three defenders out there. So the defense has moved to the trip side. Well, on the back side, they've moved as well. And all they have is one flat defender and one deep defender. If we leverage, if we leverage... Who we have on that backside, we have potential. It's essentially a matchup man. Uh, it's a matchup man to man. They have to t- play guys man. So one thing that we can do to really beat this coverage is take advantage of the hash marks to the sidelines and do things like a flood concept. If they've got a corner, and he's bailing. And then they've got a backer pushing to the flats, right? And then you've got a running back running to the flats as well. And you got somebody running up the sidelines, and you got somebody running the post. So basic, you're 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 in um sheesh. How do I say this so people understand it? You're in two receivers. Number one runs a post. Number two runs a wheel, and the running back out of the backfield also runs to the flats. They can't cover it because there's two guys. There's a backer pushing and a a a corner bailing, or there's a hard corner and there's a a safety pushing to to run into that deep third we've got three guys in that boundary that post the safety has to take it that wheel route that corner is in a dilemma do i take the wheel and carry that wheel and then i leave the running back wide open and there's no one else pushing to the flat or do i kind of cat mouse it and kind of let the wheel go and sink and invite them to throw the flat and 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 hope i can rally and make the play Those are the types of plays where you put them in a predicament. let's go to the trip side. If I'm on the trip side, right? Same type of concept. I'm going to take the outside receiver and run a go route. I want the quarterback pre-snap or right at the snap of the ball to know who's the the, the flat defender. If that corner carries, we know the backer has to push to the flat. If that corner lets them go, he knows the safety is going to be over top. At the same time, I'm running a quick out. To take that flat defender, identify he has to have someone to cover. If I'm running a goal route down the sideline, that safety has to stay with it right behind that flat. About the 12-yard corner area is a huge hole. And you have a receiver that is running a route on a backer. Easy, easy, easy concept. For us to say from the hash mark to the sidelines, we can get our best players. And here's what we're guaranteed, Barry. We're guaranteed one of the guys defending our guy is a backer on like, imagine, you know, Mims plays outside a ton, but we move Mims inside. So imagine we move Mims to number two and we have Farouk at the one and Farouk runs a go route. Boom. Safety's out of the play or the corner's playing deep. So the corner has to immediately carry. Mims can immediately run a speed out, balls out. That's option one. Option two, corner's hard, so corner lets him go. Mims runs the five yard out, so the corner stays. The safety has to get over the top to take the go route. Some backer has to cover Willis or has to cover Weiss or has to cover. They would probably have Weiss run the go and probably have, you know, Farouk run the five yard and have Mims running the 10 yard some backer against our best receiver, we can pre-snap, put them in that compromising situation, right? Like that the those are the areas where you'll see we are going to be able to take advantage of them. And in the middle of the field, you got to run a bunch of angles because what guys are taught to do is run to a spot and it's a matchup once they do. So if we're running, um, you know, curl flat concepts, ones are running curls, twos are running flats, but our running back is running like he's going to run to a flat in an ankle, that backer has to respect the fact that he's going to the flat. It's all about timing. DG has to look at it and the ball has to just be on the running back. If we hit those in stride, we're running because everybody else is getting to a spot. We have creases. We have natural creases. So this, this week, I think it was a great bye week for us to prepare because if we flood them, and what, what, it'll be pretty cool to see now that we got some video we'll see how many times we run a flood concept into and from and, and i'm talking about hash mark to sideline i guarantee you we hit five catches where we do the, the action we're preaching that we have the running back run to the flat and then there's already two receivers there and we put that corner in a compromising situation i guarantee you we will run that or we'll run the jet action and the receivers running across the formation and we're, and all the quarterback is doing is saying, what is that corner doing? If that corner jumps it, he's the hard defender. I know there's a hole behind him and I'm just going to run a concept to put the safety in a compromise. Are you going to sit at 12 or are you going to take the deep route? The safety has to always take the deep route. That backer has to get there. We got a bank that our receiver is better than that backer. If you watch Lincoln Riley, and this is my last thing, watch us play them the first four or five years and watch how much time we spend in the middle of the field where it's a lot of um uh, you know it's a lot of window dressing on defense you don't because because the, the guys just change responsibilities sometimes the safety robs sometimes the safety clouds sometimes the safety bales sometimes the backers to the flat sometimes the backers to the hole and they just pick based upon what they think you're going to do so we say screw that we're just going to we're going to kick your ass on the edges and then we're going to force you to simplify things and that's when we'll attack the middle so let's let's hold me accountable to this, Be Let's look and see how often we attack the edges in the early parts of the game. Because if we do, be ready for some pump and goes or be ready for double post. We're going to run a double post, catch their safety in a robber position or a cloud position, and we're going to get two guys on one. And he's going to pick one of the quarterbacks and throw the other. I think we score a touchdown on that. I will be paying close attention to see if uh, it comes to fruition.
0: So that's interesting. That's the best I've ever heard it explained as, as to why um Riley, you know, struggled so much with this cuz I mean we know how much an integral piece of like what these leech disciple offenses are the the mesh concept um with the receivers dragging across the middle and you're trying to get those short to intermediate routes but if you have a defense that is basically saying we're going to take away this key concept that you like to run. And we're going to, we're going to make that hard. Um, So now you either need to run the football or, you know, change up what your principles are. It's, it, it makes it hard to move the football down the field, particularly later in, in Riley's offense when he didn't have a guy who was an absolute burner who can, you know, stretch you for, for 40 and and get behind guys right so w- when you are in that situation where Iowa state does you know do some things to to try and take away some of that stuff out there on the on the edges and OU needs to do some things like run the football uh yeah. to try and free some stuff up when you're there was always a hesitancy it felt for for Riley to devote to the run against this team you know but, even though they always seem to play the Sooners with a light box, um, there was there was a hesitancy there. Can you explain why even against a light box, you know, that three-man front that they'll bring out, like why there was still so much hesitancy to run the football and, and why we could potentially see a different philosophy with yes. how Lebia chooses chooses to
1: attack it? So I think there's a key term light box versus a wide box. So here's the chess match. The chess match is when you watch that, that, that 33, the 35, whatever they want to call it, um, their goal is to be able to stop your run game with their edge defenders as an overhang. If their edge defense, if if their edge defenders have to come up to the line of scrimmage to stop the run, they're essentially in an old school fifty front, like literally nineteen eighty five defense, which they don't want to do because they're essentially putting those guys in positions where there's a lot in coverage they can't do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So from OU's perspective, this game, what we've got to do is put those edge defenders in compromising situations they want to keep it what's called a wide box because now it's still chess. They can disguise when they're in a wide box and those two overhangs are two by two. Essentially what it is, is two yards off the line of scrimmage, two yards outside of our last down lineman or our tight end. They can both play the run and get into the hole. They can carry a, a slot receiver. They can get to the flat. They, I mean, there's a lot they can do, but if that guy has to just cut down two yards of angle, two yards closer to the line of scrimmage, and then two yards um, inside to help with run, they can no longer cover a slot. They can no longer, like they can't carry a slot receiver from a 50s position. They just can. So one thing that um, Link never did is never put them in a position where they could leave that two by two. And by the way, sometimes three by three, right? Depends on how good their athlete is. But think about, just think about how much leverage if that outside backer is our left tackle, we don't have a tight end on that side. He's three yards in the back, three yards, excuse me, deep in the line of scrimmage and then three yards outside of him. That tackle responsibility is sometimes him, right? The, the that, that guy is included in our run action. They're not going to just say, we're going to leave him alone. No, we have somebody for him but generally he's a better athlete. He can go a duck under, he can swim over, he can out leverage, right? So those guys just have to be hard-nosed, tough dudes. And here's the thing about that B, that's not a hard kid to recruit. That kid's not a 4'4", 230 pound backer. He could be a 6'1", 212 pound, smart, instinctual player and be a hell of a player in college football. You never see Iowa State's. Outside backers go to the NFL. Think about this. You go watch Alabama's 30 front. You always see their outside backers going to the NFL. Will Anderson, those types, right? Iowa State runs a 30 front, yet their outside backer types don't. You know why? Because they're kind of like cheetahs, which BV likes, just not necessarily the same caliber athlete, but a high IQ and physical. So what we have to do is we've got to put them in positions, which means we got to create angles. So I'm going to be looking for us doing a lot of wham blocks. I talk about wham blocks a lot. And the beauty about it is, is we have the tight end to do it. I, we have two. Parker's a great blocker, by the way. Parker drops easy passes sometimes, but he can block. So when we put our linemen in positions where we say, you know what? We're going to down block and not worry about him because we've got a Y coming across the formation on what's called a wham blocker. We got the backside guard, the uncovered guard or the uncovered tackle, whoever's uncovered coming across the, uh, the the formation. We put that guy in a position where the running backs coming underneath it. Those backers, those overhang types have to come underneath. They have to come underneath. And by the way, Barry, sometimes they win. Mm-hmm. So do you know what you do when they do that? You turn the, the counter into a sweep. So you run the exact same action. You invite that overhand to beat you underneath and the running back's track is around anyway. So now we're not playing chess and a whole bunch of guess and check. We're playing checkers. It's either or. And on an, from a defensive, pers- or excuse me, from an offensive perspective, we have to have the patience to say, hey, there are going to be some plays where these guys are coached up very well and they know our stuff. They're going to have some, some schemes set up to cross us to cancel out the back you know, what they want to do is cancel out the, the the wham block or cancel out the guard coming across the formation before they can get up field if they cancel us at the line of scrimmage they can create a scrum if we get up field and, and what they call it's getting north if that guard or that 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 uh that y coming across can get north that's when you're guaranteed five eight yards i mean it, it's 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 a big play happening if they have to make their block Coming across the line of scrimmage, now the help can come and we can and we can mess the play up. So, one of the keys that I'm going to be looking at is when they play that 35 or that 34, and those overhangs are at two by two or three by three. How do we attack them? The way the way Lincoln would try to do it is essentially zone blocking and trying to get a left tackle on that guy. Forget about it. By the way, Baylor killed us on it. I want to say two years ago when we played them at night, we played them in a night game. Uh, maybe two or three years ago. I don't know what it was, but Baylor destroyed us. And I kept asking myself, why are we trying to block a 5'11", foot, 210-pound dude with a 6'7", 330-pound guy in space? Mm. I mean, Baylor just destroyed it, right? And And Iowa State has consistently done it too. The easier thing to do is to take our much more athletic, bigger guys and all down block and bring guys across the formation, creating easy angles for them to kick out or lead up and reach so we can run the sweep. So it'll be interesting. I'm going to be paying attention to seeing if we essentially say at the beginning of the game, we're going to run the football and we're going to see if you guys step up so that we can open up the the, the intermediate levels when those backers come up. Or if we try to beat them with the short pl- pass and flood them initially first, so we can get them spread out really wide, and then we hit them up the middle. I think one or the other will be the primary plan of action. Um, And based on our offense, we totally could pass first. But I think based upon the film and what Link has done, I wouldn't be surprised if we try to uh, get the run game going first and identify how those overhangs react.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is another game where, where if Eric Gray can even be you know remotely close to what he was against Kansas, OU's gonna have a, a strong chance to win. You know, what we um, I brought up before last game just how important I felt it was to to make sure you keep Mims involved in the offense. And I guess with what you're saying, there would be some really some ways that they could set up things um, designed to go to him, right? Just kind of pre-snap based on the look. And, and have him get to some of those formations and just let him work, you know, against a mismatch, if you will, and sort of pre-snap, you have an idea of where the ball's going. Sounds like an easy way to get him targets and potentially get him in, in some space, get him engaged in the game. But for OU in this game and down the stretch it's gonna come down to their ability to to run the football. I mean, I think if you go back mm-hmm. to to each and every loss, it has been about them not being able to uh, effectively move guys on the line of scrimmage and and create holes and then backs either missing or not hitting it right. So, uh, Eric Gray has uh, in the past two games and then he had some glimpses against Nebraska has really developed a comfort level and it has almost slowed his game down just a little bit, which I, I kept sort of waiting on. That there's a balance of, of patience when it comes to allowing things to, to set up. And that also plays into the timing of when you execute your moves. And I don't necessarily think that... You know, Eric Gray was, you know, much, I do think his change of direction, his agility did ap- improve over this off season and the, the first guy is no longer bringing him down near as often, but one of the things that really helps you be able to create, um, distance and effectively beat guys in space is just having some patience and comfort in what you're doing, because, you know, how things are gonna set up you you know what the timing's gonna be right and so much of making moves in space you know you there's fast guys all the time guys with good change of direction who can't beat players in space and and a lot of it has to do with them hurrying the moves not being patient and in how they set them up and he's a great back when it comes to to being able to stick one foot in the ground and then get north and south you know kind of a one maybe two cut guy and then go the more we see that down the stretch i think it's going to bode well for this offense right maybe a guy like barnes potentially gets going in this game too you know hopefully we get to see more of a marcus major you know this is OU's going to need to be able to run the football and have multiple backs that they can throw at teams if they want to finish this season out, you know, how they want to finish it out. And, you know, next uh, podcast, we'll obviously, you know, talk about the game and, and whatnot, but also go into more of general outlook. But uh, what do you see happening, man? What, what's your score for this one?
1: You know, I, I would love for the score. Uh, here's what we know. All right, let's look at the data points. Uh Iowa State um has they held Texas to to what 28? Is that right? 28, 21, 28, 24? Yep. Yep. Something like that. Right? Uh shoot, they held TCU. I mean, they, they've their defense, we can't assume we're gonna score 40. I'm not gonna assume we're gonna score 40. I think we win by eight or nine. If if the game is close and we've got a score to win, the last possession, I think we're okay. If the game is close and we have to stop them to win, I'm going to be concerned. Mm. And so I think we will play, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we take field goals. I think this will be a game where Coach V takes three points every chance he gets, depending on what the the wind is like. I wouldn't be surprised to see us on some third and sixes and sevens run the football if we're inside the thirty because we can continue to score points. Obviously assuming we don't give away a bunch of freebies. B, we look at the score. I am looking at a, a a 31 to 24, 31 to 26 type score where, you know, we've got a we've got to put the ball in the on a couple of times to get ourselves some leeway but also don't be surprised if we kick a couple of field goals. It can even be 30 where we score three touchdowns and three field goals. I wouldn't be surprised um, at a nine point win, we're in the low thirties. I guess I got to give you a real score. Uh, let me 30 to 26, 30, 26. 30 to 26. Uh, that's
0: that's right, my score. That's right. That's right around where I was. I had 28 to 21, right? I, I think, oh, you gets it done by a touchdown. I think this is one where, you know, Turk has not, you know, punted the ball. He's, he's had a good average this year but he hasn't seemed to to put as many balls inside the the 15 inside the 10 as he did a year ago. Yep. He's had quite a few more roll into the end zone and I think this is a game where the, the his value is really going to need to shine. You know what he uh can be for OU is going to matter you know and then not only this one but down the stretch but especially against a team that played Kansas State to to a 10-9 loss i think was the final score up there yeah. in that one so you know and that was the same Kansas State team that put put up 40 40. So, 40 man so when you go into this you have to know that points are going to be a premium this is one where maybe you don't go for it on fourth down maybe you do Know, kick the field goal, right? OU's uh, field goal kicker, golly, how's his name escape me now? Zach Schmidt uh, has had a pretty solid year this year. You know, he's um, I think he's missed maybe a couple, but he's for the most part been on target. You know, has looked pretty solid. But but Turk is going to be crucial, like him be, being able to give the defense. Which I think defensively, this is something in the Kansas game that. Yeah, you know, hurt them. Being able to to start that offense inside the ten or even inside the fifteen is quite a bit different than them getting the ball at the twenty five or getting one where the you know returner is able to run it out a little bit. You know, I felt like there was some field position uh, left out there for the Sooners in that Kansas game, which contributed uh to the points just just kind of my, my two cents on that but i'm going to go 28 21 i think ou gets it going you know in the right direction uh to finish out this year you know i think coach Venables said the in, in his presser this is the type of you know team where down the stretch you, ou could win every single one of these games or play every one of them down to the wire or or, or lose them and what we really don't know or have a good beat on how it's going to shake out right hopefully it's the it's the wins that end up panning out but um we will see guys want to let everyone know go leave us a rating and review on apple spotify amazon but more importantly than that right now go visit sooners360.com tons of cool stuff up there right now DMAC. tell them what's up there right now
1: hey guys i just want to say this man you see the the product we've done here um it's just authentic you want to learn the game you want to see um the actual schemes happening you want to hear from individuals who um, you know just just want to actually teach and, and give you an opportunity to learn more go check it out i'm gonna leave a short sweet. And and straight to the point, there's been a lot of traction over there. People are checking out and really liking what they're seeing. And it makes me proud because my biggest thing is to make sure we have something that's representative of, of us and how we feel. And I just feel like thus far, it's done a good job. So, guys, check out the site. Have a good time. A lot of good banter. Uh, I got to get a Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones just ended. I should have had a Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, <laughs> man. I'm, th- I'm, I'm, I'm huge. Matter of fact, I'm team black, Just FYI. I'm on the black squad on that thing. But um, Ooh. guys, have a good time check it out. And and we, it's more than that, whatever that's going to do what it does. Thank you guys. I'm just super grateful that, you know, we have a community of listeners and followers, um, subscribers that are checking out our deal. I heard a rumor that Twitter space is a real deal and I'm excited to try it out. I'm an OG. So I'm going to try the Twitter space out. Um, yeah, man, I'm having a great time. You guys are dope. You guys are legit dope. And be looking out for more guests. I know you guys like T. Marshall's interview. I got a couple other guys. We've got a couple other guys lined up. And uh, we want to continue to give you guys that value.
0: Absolutely, man. We we got some people interested in coming on. Both in the uh, you know former players. Uh, then we've also got a handful of personalities. Who have been listening to the show. Who like where it's going. And uh, would also like to uh, be involved. So make sure you guys stay subscribed. Follow the show. Uh, go visit Sooners360.com and check out some of the awesome podcasts up there on Blue Wire. We are a partner with them. It's been a fantastic uh, partnership. We really enjoy uh, being able to uh, be a part of of that brand and all that they have to offer. Uh, It's been really cool, but uh, we are very gracious. We thank you all so much. You know, we started this as a passion project and it is you, the people who have kept this thing rolling, right? It would be nothing if we had no listeners. We'd probably still do it, but it just wouldn't be near as much fun. I'm telling you right now, but guys go leave us the rating and review. Follow us on Twitter at Barry and Mac, uh, D underscore Mac 13 and B wise fitness letter B W I S E fitness. And then it's Instagram at the Barry and Mac show. Go check that out right now. And we will see you soon.